With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fueled by the outdoors, your source for hunting, fishing, archery, and all things outdoors. Brought to you by the Elite Outdoors. Welcome to Fueled by the Outdoors. I'm your host, Rick Cates, and today it's just me. Chris uh, is not with me, and the reason why we're doing a, kind of a middle ground one today is we're in between trips, uh, vacations. I just came back from a week uh, at Cumberland and have some really great stories to tell about it, but we're going to hold off on those until Chris and I can get together and really dig deep into those because um, there, there's there's two really great stories that I want to tell with regards to what happened in uh, me catching my largest rainbow trout ever and my father catching his largest striper ever. It is going to be one that you're not going to want to miss whatsoever when we do cover it. Chris is actually out bow hunting right now and part, uh, part of the reason... <clears throat> is because uh he had some good wind and really wanted to see if he could you know go after a buck that he's uh, been targeting and hopefully get on um, sooner rather than later so today uh is again another short podcast and we wanted to cover just some really um basic things that are kind of going on so i'll start with some of the stuff that i've been um doing recently and it's mainly of the uh fish variety and it is now october and for fall fishing fishing is heating up water temps are getting right to that great level um cooler air temps giving way to overnight lows in the 40s and really uh, some days in the 50s are low in those water temps and on lakes and reservoirs it's a great time to be able to get out and chase after bass striper walleye anything like that that you would uh, really want for some good table fare for you and your family now the trade-off for that is is that you're going to be trading time in the deer stand for fishing but that's okay um, sometimes a good day on the water beats a day in the woods um, for some of you fishermen out there you know what I'm talking about and for uh, hunters you know I'm in the same boat I trade a week every year during the fall to go fishing uh, on Lake Cumberland and it usually pays off in uh, tenfold. I usually come back with a bunch of fish. This year was no different. Came back with a mess of trout, uh, some nice walleye, and uh, while I didn't end up with any striper, uh, it still was a trip to remember. So the important thing to remember also, if you're going and fishing um, some of these lakes and reservoirs are 
bait is going to start coming up a little bit more and you're going to be on some of these really large lakes you're going to be able to see uh fish in the jumps which is um basically uh bass or stripers crashing bait and even at times depending upon where you're at you may get the occasional walleye or catfish coming up and sipping some of those shad off the surface or whatever the bait fish is in your area so be on the lookout for that kind of stuff. It's it's definitely heating up and it's really good opportunity to fill your freezer in the fall um, in between tree stand sets, especially if you <clears throat> haven't had the best of luck just yet, which uh, I'll get into here in a little bit. Um, it's a great way to put some meat in the freezer and be able to feed your family or yourself. So that being said, um, on to deer hunting and it is again the start of October and as some people would say October really kind of has three distinct um, timelines in it you have early October you have mid-October then you have late October and typically if you're wanting to kill your target buck a lot of guys will hunt either early October or the last week of October, which is normally just a fire time to be able to put a deer on the ground because it, those bucks are starting to get into rutting activity. Um, a doe might come into heat early and <clears throat> hopefully uh, you can get on them. But there's that middle section uh, that a lot of people refer to as the October lull. And, you know, put whatever you want into it for what it's worth. Um, October lull, uh, I don't know if it's hitting early for me or what the deal is this year, but the October lull is a thing where um, deer just kind of disappear or you're not seeing them or they're not showing up on cameras or you're not seeing them pass through the woods. But um, a lot of guys say that it's due to bucks just changing patterns um, or that they're just they went somewhere else. But realistically, um, you know, I'm a big fan of the uh, statement correlation doesn't always equal causation. There's a lot of variables that go into why these deer tend to start kind of shying away and not being in the same areas. So I thought we'd go over a couple things. Um, the first one being food sources. Uh, deers, deer uh, change their food sources at different times of the year. And one of the big ones that is happening right now is acorns are dropping. So with acorns dropping, um, and hitting the ground, uh, the deer are definitely going to be going after that. And the biggest thing being you want to go and you want to look for white oaks. Uh, specifically, if you can find a white oak with you, um, that deer are certainly hanging around a little bit more for whatever reason. Um, there's certain white oak trees that deer like more. I don't know if it's just that the acorn is sweeter or uh, what the deal is. It's almost like... Um, you know, you find what's called a honey barrel of bourbon. You know, it's just perfect for them at that time, and that's the reason why they like going and visiting it. But early in the season, what I tend to look for are um, white oaks. Uh, you could certainly look at other trees, but your red oaks and typically things like that. Deer hit those a little bit later in the year because they have what are called, the acorns have what are called tannins in them. And tannins uh, are, you know, the nastiness, the poisonous part of it that you need to leach out uh, if you, you know, if you ever plan to make an acorn tea or um, 
acorn flower or anything along those lines you know deer deer tend to shy away from those red acorns a little bit earlier in the season and then you know they'll fall and then the tannins will leach out and then right around uh mid-november to December, the deer really start hitting that kind of stuff. They switch um, even from the white oaks that have already dropped all theirs onto the red oaks and you know onto other food sources such as that. So um, that, that that that's one reason for the lull is that if you're not finding acorns um, in your area, the deer might be avoiding your area. The other reason is a lot of deer are coming into vel or coming out of velvet and when they come out of velvet one of the things to kind of keep into um, consideration there is that their behaviors start to change and their behaviors start to change from the standpoint of bachelor groups start breaking up they start going in different areas and they are again changing food sources going to different bedding areas things like that so one thing that I've run into the past couple of years, and it always worries me when it happens, and you know, it's kind of one of those panic things of like, you have three real nice bucks or a real nice buck on camera, and then they just, they don't show up for like two weeks. And you're like, oh my gosh, did he get shot? Is he gone? Where did he go? Um, I personally have three, I had two really nice ones on camera. And then all of a sudden they just disappear. Nope. Don't know where they're gone. Um, two weeks have no semblance of an idea of where these suckers went. Um, but when the last picture I saw, they were in velvet. So um, I wait, and I actually got back from my trip, pulled my trail cams, and lo and behold, um, literally, I think, um, September 29th or October 1, the two bucks are there, along with... Um, Hopefully, 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 will be my new shoot, my new number one shooter buck. If he shows up, he's a, a, he he's a he's a brute. Um, but deer start moving around a little bit more, and your big mature deer are going to be hanging near their bedding areas, and you want to start trying to get in close to there um, if you're going to try to kill a mature buck during this part of the season they're going to be hanging closer to their bedding trying to find food sources closer to there so if you're on a corn pile or something like that you might not have deer come in until later or nocturnal you know you just have to pattern the deer and figure out where they might be now obviously with the breaking up of bachelor groups deer are going to strike out uh, on their own but um, more often times than not, you're still going to see those deer uh, during the month of October at some point. Now, whether or not you get a shot opportunity at those deer or not is a completely different situation. So one of the things that I tend to try to look at there is what are the best times uh, to go. And obviously, if you are a weekend warrior or if you have limited hunting time, you try to go whenever you can. And that's completely understandable. But if it's me... I really, really, really try to go that last week of October. Um, the deer are up and moving. They are getting into that rutting activity. You're going to see way more fighting. You're going to see a lot more uh, posturing with some of these big boys that you might not have seen earlier in the season, which is always a good thing because that allows for you to kind of look at uh, deer behavior a little bit more. But um, you know, my best encounters have always come that last week of October going into that first week in November. And the first week in November for me is always, I always think of that as like the rut. Um, you know, you'll have a full moon, I believe, on October 31st. So whatever you plan in thinking of the moon phase and all that kind of stuff, 
um, it, it's going it, to, you know, it might change behaviors. But again, there's lots of different variables that affect these animals that we don't always know about. And, you know, the bucks might appear as if they disappear, but really they're just moving to a different area for a little bit. So the key to killing a big buck is try to kill one in October, because when you start getting into November, deer start trap they will start traveling and they will start uh not showing up on camera more because they've gone and they're starting to chase does now on the other side of that is is that if you have a bunch of does on your property um you may be uh sitting in fat city and be able to have all the bucks in the tri-county area uh running towards your your food plot or your corn pile or you know whatever it may be and this is this is part of the fun of deer hunting this is part of the joy of being able to get out and do this kind of stuff it makes it kind of tough sometimes but at the same time it makes it all worthwhile and rewarding because you're going to be able to um tell that story or show another person how to go about getting things done and making sure that you can allow for uh knowledge to be passed on with with things along those lines so as as we move into october um, this will be released on october 4th uh, you're gonna see this first you know that first week or so of 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 the month um you know, hopefully you'll be able to get on a deer and you'll be able to go do that personally um i've only had two sets <clears throat> And on both those sets, I have seen absolutely zero deer. And whether that be due to wind conditions, whether that be due to um, the full moon, uh, which is what I kind of believe may be going on with the deer that I'm hunting, um, I think that they're coming back into bedding areas later in the morning. Um, but I don't like hunting the area that I have set up right now in the morning just for the fact that um, it's a transition area. I worry that I bump deer and that kind of stuff. And uh, if I was hunting public land, I probably would go hunt in the morning. But for right now on the private property that I have, I tend to stay away from that area in the morning until maybe that last week of October. And if I can do an all-day sit, I will do all-day sits uh, starting at that time just for the fact that those deer are going to be running and they're going to be moving and it's it's just that time of year you know there's plenty of information out there uh whether you look at uh people like the Drurys or mark kenyon with wired to hunt um tony peterson lot lots of different people who give really great information regarding this stuff and everybody's kind of got their own way dan infault's another one um you know he he's a public land you know, giant killer. Like he, the guy, the guy knows how to hunt. The guy knows exactly what to do. And he gets on big bucks on public land pretty regularly. And, you know, one of the, you know, ever changing things that he talks about is also, um, not even acorns. Uh, he mentions that if you find maple trees that are just starting to drop their leaves, uh, right at that yellow, uh, when they turn yellow and they hit the ground, a lot of times deer will go after those too. Now, personally, I've never seen that, but you know, I'm not going to argue with a dude who's um, killed as many big deer as Dan Enfold has. And you know, the guy knows exactly what to do in order to make sure that you uh, that he kills um, big deer 
almost, I believe, every year. So, you know, obviously you could look that stuff up. He's uh, He runs the Hunting Beast. Um, I think Chris actually did something with him a few years back. And, um, you know, if, if you want to go look at that, I believe that it's uh, on a YouTube page. Um, you can certainly look on our Facebook page, the elite outdoors, um, that has some of those pictures and mentions and things along those lines with regards to that kind of stuff. So one of the things that is, uh, that I do kind of want to point out is, and we don't do it a whole lot on here. You know, Chris mentions the page, the page, the page and things like that. We do have a Facebook page called the elite outdoors where this all kind of originated from and fueled by the outdoors is really an offshoot. Uh, it is our, uh, YouTube page. Please go and subscribe fueled by the outdoors on YouTube. Also our podcast fueled by the outdoors. Please go subscribe to the podcast. If you've not done so already, give us a rating too. We always appreciate that kind of stuff. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. But the elite outdoors is a community for individuals who like to share information, like to share pictures of the deer and things like that. There have been a couple guys on the page who have killed um what i would say are giant deer just they're they're monsters um you know there's there's a couple guys on there i'm sure if you go on and you look uh you'll see them they're usually either pinned to the top of the page or you don't have to scroll that far before somebody mentions them there is actually uh what we believe uh or what not what we believe uh what uh, is going around the internet right now if you've not seen it there's a gentleman by the name of jeremy huffman uh, who killed a deer that he called Moose, and I believe it scored 203 and is the new, uh, potentially the new archery record for the state of Kentucky, uh, which is an absolutely massive, massive deer. If you get the chance to go on and look at it, it's a pretty impressive buck. Not pretty impressive. It's a damn impressive buck uh, that anybody ever, I would imagine, would be extremely happy to have walk in front of them and just stand broadside and put that sucker down like it actually happened. So um, deer hunting is obviously going into full swing. So within the next few weekends, you have a couple things happening. Uh, in the bluegrass state where I am at, actually, uh, the weekend... It's only Saturday and Sunday, but uh, the weekend of what I believe is the 17th and 18th is, uh, yeah, it's the October 17th and 18th is actually muzzleloader season, uh, early muzzleloader in the state of Kentucky. So always remember, I like to remind people of this, is even if you're not muzzleloader hunting on that weekend, and this goes for Ohio and most other states too, even if you are not uh, muzzleloader hunting, gun hunting, whatever, always wear, um, hunter's orange in Kentucky. It's a law. If you are out on that weekend, no matter if you're bow hunting or whatever, you do have to wear hunter's orange in order to be out in the woods. Otherwise you have the potential of getting a ticket, whether you have a gun or you don't, uh, that's state law, just something to follow and keep in mind as you go through that kind of stuff. But Muzzleloader season comes in early in Kentucky, and this is a really good time to um, either take a doe or if you've got your big buck pattern, you can get them with a, you know, a little bit longer of a shot versus, you know, your archery equipment. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you get that opportunity. And it's also a great opportunity to get out on public land and go 
and try something new. Now, in Kentucky, I will say there's certain wildlife management areas that operate under different things. So I know there's a couple in northern Kentucky. You cannot um, use a muzzleloader on during the early muzzleloader, but there are some other ones that you can. Uh, same with modern gun. They aren't open for modern gun, but they are open for the late muzzleloader, which begins in December. So that being said, um, I know for me... I hope to be out in the woods as much as possible here coming up, but one of the big things that I have coming up is, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, the farm that I, not farm, the property that I hunt in the fall every year with my dad, we have permission to go hunt on it again. So I am actually going to hang stands and try to find a new area to place the stand this year. And this isn't this is an important thing as you go back into properties uh, during this time because sometimes, you know, this is an out-of-state hunt for me. You know, it's right over the border, but you know, it's it's a three-hour drive and it's something that I look forward to every year. And it's something that I always want to do is go hang my stand, not just like walk into it blind or whatever. So what I try to do is I go I consult with my dad and my uncle who we both go up there and we or all three of us go up there and we look and we move around and see where we need to go and and uh, you know haul tree stands in and that kind of stuff and to me it's just one of the most fun things you can possibly do is going and setting stands for an out-of-state hunt so we go in we scout and i am really hopeful with the area that i'm going to go look at that i'm going to be able to find a good area now the only thing different that i'm going to do this year is i'm going to hang two stands i'm going to hang a morning stand i'm going to hang an afternoon stand i don't have a running gun set up like chris or some of the other members of the page or of the film team that you'll get to know here in the in the coming weeks uh they do running gun they have hanging hunts they have uh lone wolf stands i am more of a traditional i like to put up a ladder stand um, and i have one climbing stand that i will take and i will lock into an area and you know pray to the gods that uh no one screws with it so i hope i hope i hope that um there's acorns down up there and that I'll be able to find a good area, um, a good uh, place along, um, you know, ridge lines or stream beds where these bucks will be running because they do run, they do move. And the best thing I can tell you to do in during these times is to make sure that you have a good setup and that it's a safe setup because the more effort that you put into this the more you're going to get out and the more rewarding it's going to be overall for you as an individual when you do eventually harvest that deer that you've uh, worked all year to try to get to so that's my trip coming up is i'm going to ohio here at the start of next month november um actually i think it's the thursday after election day is is when i head up there and i'll head up the evening and i'll hunt friday saturday sunday morning and then i'll head home uh sunday night hopefully with a cooler full of meat that's always the goal and um last year i got blanked in ohio and uh you know kind of by fault of my own i got winded uh trying to decide if i was going to shoot a buck or not and i should have just shot and i will freely admit that uh, i was waiting for something bigger and then i thought well this is a meat trip i need to put a deer in the cooler and by the time i stood up to loose an arrow um it smelled me and ran away self make sure that you are going into it with a plan and that you're willing to um 
look at what you want. I always buy two out-of-state tags a year uh, just for the realization of that I always try to hunt muzzleloader in Ohio as well, which is a little bit later in the year. I don't ever really get up there for gun hunting. But Ohio has some great opportunities. Kentucky has got great opportunities. And a lot of the states do. Like if, if you have the ability to go to an out-of-state hunt, again, Chris and I talk about this, uh, try. Uh, go, go and try. It's something cool to go do at least once with your buddies or something along those lines. It's something to you know really make an effort and try to do. Now, I know Chris is actually leaving for Wyoming, I believe, here within the next couple of weeks for his antelope hunt. And then he is going to try to hit Nebraska, as he stated on the last one with Matt, on the way back in hopes that they can fill their buck tags and, you know, have a, you know, a, you know, meat locker full of meat when they come back. So, you know, hopefully for those guys that they have that ability to make sure that they go through and they do that kind of stuff. So, you know, finally, I, I do want to talk about one other thing. And, you know, as we get into the season and as we go through this, remember, uh, I've stated this before, these are your hunts. Make sure you're doing the things that you feel comfortable doing and make sure that you're doing the things that you want to do on your hunt. If you if you plan on shooting a small buck out of state, knock yourself out and do it. Um, you know, if you are just trying to get meat in your freezer, by all means do it. Uh, you have the ability to make your own choices and you have the ability to hunt your own hunt. So that being said, guys, this has been Rick Cates. I've been your host for Fueled by the Outdoors, and I look forward to hearing about all your outdoor adventures. And I hope you look forward to hearing more from us because we have a lot more stuff coming to you guys in the coming weeks and months. So talk to you later, guys. Bye. for our podcast today please remember to subscribe like review on all major podcasting platforms we are available on apple google TuneIn, Castbox, spotify and all other major podcasting platforms as always we are available for contact at the elite outdoors one at gmail.com that is the elite outdoors the number one at gmail.com thanks a lot guys talk to you next time Thank you.